0: It's officially bubble season around the NFL. Whose bubble might burst for the Seahawks as they head into their preseason finale on Friday? Dallas Cooper and I are going to be breaking it all down in our latest installment of Locked On Seahawks.
1: You are Locked On Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
0: Your team every day. What's happening, 12? This is your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me here on the Locked on Seahawks podcast, my co-host, Dallas Cooper. Thanks to all the 12s for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. Only two days away from Seattle's preseason finale in Dallas. Whose bubble might burst? Dallas and I are going to be debating on a number of different positional groups Later in the show, plus we'll have Tyler Fornes joining us. Rather than a full episode of Wager Wednesday, we've got one segment. We're going to be checking out the exact win total probabilities for the Seahawks heading into the 2022 season. Without further ado, let's get to our lead story here on Locked On Seahawks. One of the most inspirational players in NFL history has hung up his cleats. Shaquem Griffin today announcing his retirement after four seasons in the league. Via the Player Tribune, of course, a poignant article written by him today, just talking about the journey that he's made. He's been bouncing around last year, spent time with the Broncos and the Dolphins, but did not play in any regular season games. Appeared in over 30 games for the Seahawks his first three seasons, 25 tackles, and a sack in those games. Of course, his story goes well beyond the stats. Before we get to that story, though, just a quick look at what Shaquin Griffin said, why he was deciding to walk away from the game today. He said in his article, the Dolphins cut me before the 2021 season. I worked out for the Cardinals, the Titans, and the Jets, and then I got calls from Buffalo, Dallas, and Atlanta. But after that Jets workout, I realized something. All this traveling around, working out for teams, trying to catch on somewhere, trying to hang on, it wasn't what I wanted. Football had already given me so much, and the only thing that I still really wanted from the game was to play with my brother again. Again, that's Shaquem Griffin in his article with the Players Tribune. Dallas, this shouldn't come as a surprise that this kind of statement came from Shaquem Griffin because all along, of all the players in the NFL, he was just grateful to have the opportunity to be in the league, and what a journey it was for him. The first player drafted in NFL history that was missing a hand, had a phenomenal college career at UCF, and even though his numbers weren't necessarily anything to shout about in the NFL, he did have a sack in a playoff game, and He inspired not just the Seahawks fan base, but the NFL fan base, and what just an incredible journey for him. And best of luck for him moving forward. He's going to be really successful in whatever he chooses to do.
2: Absolutely, Um, he's going to have nothing problems, no problems in the next things that he's going to do in life. And I'm so glad that he found out and he knew exactly what he wanted to do and found out this young that he wasn't. He was done with football. I'm glad that he he's done and he's not trying to hang on. As he said, he wants to move on and move into different things in life and that's kudos to him. And he should be fully supportive for doing that.
0: You look at the journey that he had just to get to the league. And, you know, there's so many different stories that we can talk about here. I mean, I had the chance to interview him when he was coming out with his special cleat with Nike, that was one that didn't have laces and obviously was catered uh, to football players that didn't have a hand or had different types of disabilities And it was just really neat being able to learn about that process. But I still think my favorite moment for Shaquem Griffin wasn't him getting drafted. That was a remarkable moment itself. But at the Combine in 2018, putting up 20 bench press reps with a prosthetic arm, that might have been the coolest thing that I have ever seen. And there are a lot of guys in the Combine that have both hands that can't get 20 reps up of 225, and yet... Shaquille Griffin went up there and got the job done, and then to go out and run a 4:38.40 later in the combine, he put on a show. And again, I don't know if there's ever been a player that's been a greater inspiration in the NFL. And it was so cool to get him to see play with his twin brother for three seasons. He and Shaquille playing together in Seattle. The emotional phone call with John Schneider and everything else that transpired. Those are memories that nobody's going to forget about for a long time. Even if he was not a pro bowler or an all pro, one of the most influential players that's ever worn a Seahawks uniform. It will continue to be that way as he inspires people off the field moving forward.
2: One of the most impactful players that I think the NFL has ever seen. I mean, just the fact that he came in with a disability, never made an excuse about it and just put work in and got to this point. Like you said, had a sack in a playoff game. It's nothing to shout about, but he has statistics in a playoff game with one hand in the National Football League. That is nothing to hang your hat on. That is absolutely great for him. And I think the impact that he provided off the field is going to just last further than most players on the field impact would.
0: Yeah, the quote that jumped out to me from the article, there were several of them, but another one that really jumped out to me he had such an influence on me and other members of the media. He had such an influence on the fan base, but what he gained from playing in Seattle too, clearly, I, you know, sometimes players, when teams move on from them, they carry a little bit of a sour taste in their mouth. That was not the case with Shaquem Griffin though. I think he understood the Seahawks were like, look, we're just moving forward. We think we can get better players. And Shaquille had gone to Jacksonville too. So there really wasn't that reason to keep him around either. That's just kind of one of the harsh realities of the NFL. But he learned so much from Bobby Wagner, KJ Wright, and other teammates about how to connect with people, creating relationships. Now, that's going to be the way that he's going to be able to continue changing the world. So this is the quote that jumped out to me. He said, I'm going to go build something new so I can do what dad always told us to do, leave the world a better place than when we found it. And he's going to be geared to do that, not just through the experiences that he's had, the obstacles that he's overcome, but also those experiences being with players like Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright that are incredible human beings off the field and being able to learn from them from a business savvy perspective, being able to speak in front of people, you name it, he is going to have the complete package. So again, as you and I both echoed here, Whatever he chooses to do next, he is going to make a difference, just as he did on a football field, just as he did for a community of people that saw what he overcame to make it into the league. And it's just it was a remarkable career for him to get four seasons in the NFL and accomplish what he accomplished. Now he's got a chance to continue adding to that resume and really making a difference for people.
2: Absolutely. He just needs to keep doing what he's doing because clearly everything that he's been going on in life has been he's been doing the right thing I mean nothing that anyone us any of us could look at and criticize him for he's done everything that he's supposed to and he's impacting the world and as you said he's trying to leave it a better place and that's all you can ask of a person
0: coming up next we're going to shift our attention back to the football field the Seahawks have a preseason finale coming up against the Dallas Cowboys it is bubble season. A lot of players battling for roster spots. Teams going from 80 to 53 players by next Tuesday. So a lot of players are going to be on the outside looking in. Who's in danger of potentially losing a roster spot for the Seahawks? We're going to look at a number of different positions with our latest bubble watch coming up here in a moment. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check into all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information. From live in-game betting to scores and podcasts, they have you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. BetOnline, where the game starts. You're listening to the Locked on Seahawks podcast, Wednesday edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me for today's show, my co-host, Dallas Cooper, will be joined by Tyler Fornes later in the show for our Wager Wednesday segment. Thanks, as always, to the 12s for making Locked on Seahawks your first lesson five days a week. And make sure to check out the ultimate pro football preview. It's starting August 31st, an eight-episode extravaganza to get you ready for the NFL season the local team of experts here at the Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey NFL Insiders all combining into one ultimate NFL preview. Again, that starts August 31st. Search for Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022 on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. Dallas, we are officially in bubble season and obviously Players have been battling for roster spots throughout training camp, the first two games of the preseason, but we are now to the nitty-gritty, the final dress rehearsal coming up for the Seahawks on Friday in Dallas against the Cowboys, and there are a lot of players that are vying for roster spots. Every team is going to be going from 80 down to 53 by next Tuesday. So you've got 27 players that are going to be in the outside looking in. you got a lot of players that are truly on the bubble, some of them on the right side, some not. So let's take a look at several of these individual battles. And I think we got to start with maybe the most congested position here, and that is receiver. We actually got a pair of them on today's show. We're going to start with players that work out of the slot. Whose roster bubble will burst? We've got the veteran, Marquise Goodwin, former Olympian, and we've got Bo Melton. 4.34 4.34 speed coming out of Rutgers. The seventh round pick coming on strong as of late Dallas. You got a pick here. You got to go with either a veteran or the rookie. Where are you trending right now?
2: I'm trending towards the rookie. I think Bull Melton is the pick for the Seahawks as in you have to look forward. I think it's not just about this year. I think you have to look forward in the coming years. I think Bull Melton has the physical tools and Everything and he can definitely grow into becoming more of a better receiver. And he, you will. We have to know, like, look at him. He's a rookie. I think let's just see what he got for this year. And I think that's what Pete Carroll and John Schneider will do.
0: I would normally agree with you on this because I tend to go with youth over veterans. And Marquise Goodwin has been injured the last couple of weeks. There's a chance. I don't think he's going to play on Friday, but there's a good chance that he's going to be able to return. Full throttle to practice at some point this week, early next week. He's got the connection with Sanjay Law, Seattle's receiver coach. He played for him previously in Buffalo. Those two are very tight. He can play in the slot, he can play special teams, he can play on the outside. He can still fly low four three speed. Maybe not a four-two-seven guy anymore, but he's still got legitimate low four three speed. I just think you add those factors in and Bo Melton's made ground here. I think if we had this conversation a week and a half ago, I'm saying it's Marquis Goodwin. This isn't even a debate for me because I feel like I can sneak Bo Melton to the practice squad. But Melton has played better as of late. There's still too many drops for me to be happy with, though. And so I'm leaning towards Goodwin here, but I do think this is a much closer battle than it was. And if Melton has another really good preseason game, maybe that changes my opinion here. It's that close. But I'm going to go with Marquise Goodwin. Let's stay at the receiver position now. Two different style players, generally playing on the outside. Penny Hart, who's played in a lot of games for the Seahawks the last two years, and another seventh-round rookie out of Lenore Rhine, Young, who's been pretty darn impressive this
2: preseason. I think for me, Corbin, I think I have to go with derek Young. And the reason I'm thinking Derek Young is because I think the Seahawks are going to be leaning into a lot more 12 personnel this year. And Young is a lot more of a bigger bodied receiver and blocking aspect. Young has shown the ability to do that. And I think that would actually be a really key uh, piece for Shane Waldron in the run game. I think they would want to use Young a lot in split close to line of scrimmage, blocking down a lot. I think that'll be something really interesting to see.
0: That's a that's part of the debate here that I don't know that necessarily our listeners are going to be able to know a lot about because Derek Young played running back for the first couple of years that he was at Lenore Ryan and he was playing in a wing T style offense. So it was demanded of him. You have to be able to block and you got to be a physical runner. He was still involved some in the passing game, but... He changed positions last couple of years, but you can see that background, and it's 6'2", 224 pounds. He has made some really nice blocks on the outside for the Seahawks in training camp. He caught a touchdown in the preseason opener at Pittsburgh, did drop a pass that I thought he should have brought in that would have got the Seahawks inside the five-yard line against the Bears last week. But aside from a few hiccups here and there, he has been more consistent than Penny Hart. I think Hart's had a really good past week, his special teams experience, Certainly helps him here, but I'm going to go with the youth on this particular one. And I think Derek young at his size with his physical tools, his athleticism, I think they're going to have a much harder time slipping him on the waiver wire to the practice squad than Bo Melton. And so I'm going to go youth on this one. I think Penny Hart is a player that you can still get back on your practice squad. I don't think he's going to be somebody teams are going to be jumping to claim off waivers, not a shot at him, but I just think there's a lot of quality receivers that will be available and I think he can slip through the cracks. I don't feel that way about Derek Young with his size, athleticism and what he has shown so far, very high ceiling. So I'm going to go Dariq Young. Let's go to the offensive line now. And I want to hammer this home, Dallas. When we're having these bubble watch discussions, a lot of times fans want to talk about starters, but most of those players, I mean, they are already on the team. They're just trying to win a starting job. Reserve jobs matter and, That's especially true at the center position where the Seahawks have had some injury issues in recent seasons. Kyle Fuller and Dakota Shepley, it felt like going into camp that this was a very one-sided matchup and Shepley was way behind, but he played well last Thursday. I'm starting to wonder if that gap might be closing enough that suddenly this is a 50-50 battle between these two to back up Austin Blythe.
2: I think personally, I would have to lean more towards Shepley. I think Shepley would be the one to make the team. And the reason being is I think Pete Carroll and Shane Waldron, they have seen what Kyle Fuller has brought with the offense. I think the unknown factor in Shepley in instilling, installing him into the offensive line. I think that's one thing that really could pique their interest. Shepley as a backup, actually, could be really quality. He's not—he's not a lower quality player than Kyle Fuller. They're around the same. I feel that maybe Pete Carroll of them would lean more towards Shepley.
0: Shepley is an intriguing player because of his athleticism, and he's also played some guard in the past, just as Kyle Fuller has. Fuller's got the tackle background. Now that Seattle is going to need him in that capacity, but I think Fuller, whatever it is. I think he struggled the last couple seasons, but Pete Carroll and Andy Dickerson, the rest of the staff, they seem to hold him in pretty high regard. And the fact that he has started games at three different positions in the NFL gives him a significant edge over Shepley. I do think that this gap is close some. I just don't know that Shepley is going to be able to in his preseason finale make up the ground necessary to win this job. He's probably a practice squad guy again. I think Kyle Fuller will be back as the backup center, and he gives them insurance depth at guard. He started at both those guard spots earlier in his career as well. Maybe a position they could look on the waiver wire as well. This could be a spot where another player's brought in. Shepley, after all, was claimed off waivers from the 49ers around this time a year ago. Let's flip the script over to the defensive side of the football now. And this is maybe the most hotly debated bubble watch on social media right now because LJ Collier last year was a healthy scratch for seven games. Former first-round pick has really struggled. Miles Adams, former undrafted player, has two sacks already in the two preseason games and seems to be playing well in a 3-4 defense. So Dallas, looking at this position, it would be that sixth defensive tackle slash defensive end position is LJ Collier going to hang on and get to play his fourth season? Or is Miles Adams going to blow up his bubble?
2: I think I have to stick with my former prediction. I think Adams is going to blow up the bubble. I think I think Adams will do it because Adams has shown his ability to be versatile. And I think that's the biggest thing that you're looking for, especially in a reserve defensive lineman. The more spots that you can play at, the more times you can get on the field. The fact that he's shown the ability to play in a one tech, three tech, sometimes even in a four or five tech, he's shown the ability to go across the defensive line and succeed in each, each facet, whether it being pass rushing, run blocking with quickness or with power. And I think Adams has shown all the flashes that they've been hoping Collier to show. And I think Adams, that's why I think he's going to make a team.
0: I have really been waffling on this one because when we had this discussion with our last 53-man roster projection, I picked Collier just by the hair of his shoestring. And I'm going to go the other direction of this one. You and I are going to agree on this one. I'm going to go with Miles Adams as well. I think the elbow injury, unfortunately, that might be the nail in the coffin for LJ Collier here in terms of his status with Seattle because Adams has been extremely productive. You mentioned the versatility. He's even played some nose tackle for the Seahawks in training camp in the preseason he's cheaper you can get him on club control for another season on top of this year minimum so it just feels like everything is leaning towards Miles Adams at this point maybe Pete Carroll and Clint Hurt want to give one last shot for LJ Collier and feel like the injury prevented him from truly having a chance to show what he can do here but this truly is one that's 50 50 I think we could flip a coin on this one it's that close But I'm with you. I'm going to lean Miles Adams. Now, let's go to another one that's really intriguing. This one actually comes from a fan, and I thought it was a fascinating one because Vi Jones, the undrafted rookie out of NC State, was playing off-ball linebacker the first two weeks of training camp, but they have since moved him to outside linebacker. So you've got him and Tyreek Smith, the fifth-round pick out of Ohio State, who has played in two practices this training camp. Hip injuries have bothered him. He's played 4-3 defensive end at Ohio State. He's transitioning to a 3-4 outside linebacker. Might not be the best scheme fit. I don't know if this would have been one we would have debated, but yet now Dallas, it's a worthwhile discussion with Vi Jones moving positions.
2: I think, personally, I think that Smith will still make the team. I'm going to go with Smith because Smith has shown shown at Ohio State that he can consistently get pressure. The sacks were a bit of an issue being able to convert the pressures into sacks. That was a little bit of an issue, but he had high pressure rates throughout his career at Ohio State. So I think Pete Carroll and John Schneider are going to bank on that and keep him on the team. But that is no discredit to Vi Jones because he is an absolute physical freak when it comes to prospects. I don't think there's there's not much linebackers as athletic as him, and now they're moving him to outside you really get to see his athleticism show rushing the passer.
0: And that seems to be where the Seahawks want to play him. They moved him like a week and a half ago. And this is a guy that had six sacks in NC State last year. That being said, he's 225 pounds. He is going to need to hit a weight room before he's ready to play outside linebacker in a 3-4 defense in the NFL. He can rush in third down situations. But if you want him to play more consistent snaps – He needs the weight room. I still view him probably as a practice squad guy for a year. Let him hit the weight room, get bigger, 235, 240, and then he can play that spot. Tyreek Smith played well in the two practices that he played in. He might start the year in reserve. We don't know where this is heading because this has been a nagging injury he's been dealing with throughout training camp. If he's healthy, I do think the Seahawks have seen enough in those two practices with him being a fifth-round pick. They'll keep him around. Real quick, one last one, going to the secondary. And I just want to put in this disclaimer, you and I might think both these players are making the team, but for this exercise, we have to pick one or the other. Ryan Neal, who's still recovering from an ankle injury, looks like he's close to returning. And Marquise Blair, who has struggled throughout training camp in the preseason, missed a lot of tackles, coming back from a knee injury. If you had to pick one, who's on your opening day roster, Dallas?
2: Ryan Neal. And the re- it's as sad as... I am about that because I'm I was one of Marquise's biggest fans when he came out of college and Seattle drafted him. Ryan Neal has showed the consistency and I'm even though he's not in this, even Josh Jones throughout this training camp and preseason has shown the consistency that I think the Seahawks have hoped that Marquise could show this training camp and preseason. And I think Ryan Neal has shown in games whether in late last year middle of last year when they put him in on third downs, using him as a sub linebacker. There's times where he's on the field and he's doing great in pass coverage. So I think that Pete Carroll them are not going to try and mess that up and they're going to keep with it.
0: This is really tough because this is the one on here that I think there's a very good chance that both of these guys are going to be on the roster. I think it's, it's hard for me to believe the Seahawks would give up on Marquise Blair, even at this point. That being said, Ryan Neal has been more durable. He's been more reliable. He's been more consistent. He has the positional versatility that Blair is supposed to have. I think I would have to go Blair on this one too, just because what have we seen that suggests that he's going to make much of an impact in this preseason? He's been playing with third and fourth stringers deep into the fourth quarter in preseason games at both safety spots. He doesn't look like he's in the nickel corner competition so where does he fit in now in year four? And it's unfortunate because I think there's a lot of talent there, but injuries and not tackling properly, not wrapping, that's got to be something that's driving Pete Carroll insane right now. He brings a lot of toughness, but the injury issues, I just think there's enough there. I think it is a very probable situation that seattle is going to have to really weigh their pros and cons here looking at him as one of their last in or last out candidates whereas ryan neal if he's healthy i think he's pretty safe to make this football team with his special team's ability added to the equation coming up next we're going to bring in tyler Fornes. normally we do a full wager wednesday episode we're in the middle of the preseason though we're going to have a segment today Looking at exact win totals for the Seahawks, how much are they going to win in 2022? We'll check out the schedule and look at the odds from our folks at Bet Online. coming up here in a moment. It's almost the start of the NFL season. I love this time of year. And if you're into sports betting or fantasy, you need a competitive edge to win. That's why I highly recommend the Elias Game Plan app. It's the ultimate sports betting and fantasy companion. For the NFL, NBA, and MLB, Elias Game Plan is the only sports app from the most trusted name in sports stats. Their app lets you have access to team and player stats, head-to-head team comparisons, and Elias insights from the Elias Sports Bureau's research team, player news and league-validated player stats and team records, expert game analysis for betting, building your fantasy team, and of course, the most important thing, impressing your friends. It's perfect for the preseason. You get player previews to help you draft a winning fantasy team and team previews so you know what to expect as the regular season kicks off. You can see key injuries. That's one of my favorite parts of this app. It has the biggest impact on the outcome of a game. I can follow my favorite teams and players so I can quickly access all news and updates for those players and teams. The app clearly labels Betting options. It's super easy. Take my advice and download the Elias game plan app today. New features are coming available all the time. So take your game to the next level. NFL season is right around the corner. So don't wait. Find Elias game plan in the App Store or Play Store today. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Wednesday edition. This is your host, Corbin Smith, joining me as my co host on today's show, Dallas Cooper. And now we're going to be welcoming into the show a third host here for our third quarter. Glad to have Tyler Fornes joining the program, and we're going to be discussing some wagers here on Wager Wednesday. Tyler, how are you doing?
1: Uh, Let me tell you, gentlemen, I just got a puppy yesterday. It is a lot of work. I have never had a dog before, and I am loving life. And the best part about betting right now, we're getting close to real stuff to bet on, and it's exciting. We are getting close to the real deal, which is why it's fitting. We're going to be talking about wins
0: totals again today. And congratulations on the puppy. And I guess we'll say that to our listeners. If you hear a dog start barking, we know exactly where it is coming from. We apologize, but it's a puppy. I think we can all forgive the puppy if that Mm -hmm. happens. But anyway, let's get to our wager Wednesday here. And I'm going to be real frank up front. This is something we've talked about, Tyler, Dallas as well expectations not very high for the Seahawks and you look at the exact win totals and this is actually pretty specific I didn't even know they went this far when it came to prop bets but literally every possible outcome for the Seahawks this year and the sweet spot looks to be four to six wins for the Seahawks this year in fact you look at the chart six wins you can get yourself 240 bucks Five wins, 250 bucks, four wins, 300 bucks. That's a pretty tight spread there, Tyler. And that suggests that that truly is the window that most people anticipate the Seahawks are going to be finishing this year in that four to
1: six win range. Absolutely. And we've talked about it when we talked about the over-under. It's really floated around five and a half for the entirety of the off season. I really like if if I'm going to place my money on anything here. One, this is the kind of bet you want to place with those free credits that all these sites give you. So, like, if you make a certain amount of bets, you'll get free credits to spend on whatever you want or yeah. like sign up bonuses. I know Bet Online is really big on this sign up bonus. This is what you want to utilize that money on stuff that isn't necessarily going to hit, but if it hits, it gets you a lot of money. I think the Seahawks at seven wins at plus 350 is probably the best value bet on the board because seven is not crazy to attain, especially with all the positivity about Geno Smith. Uh, coming out here in the last few days. I do think because Pete Carroll is who he is and Corbin, you talked about wanting to put money on him for coach of the year. We talked about why that wasn't a bad, that wasn't a good idea, but the fact that he is such a good coach that gives you some hope that maybe he can take this team to seven wins. You have the Fangio style defense coming in, which is the new thing in the national football league. It's growing similar to how the Tampa two did in the early two thousands. I think that this team has a shot to win seven games because the SC or the AFC West is so competitive. I said AFC, I meant NFC. I am, I'm, I have a puppy brain today. Uh, and it, when you look at all those things, the Seahawks winning three games in the NFC West is not crazy, it's pretty plausible. The d- division beats itself up year after year after year, and you really can't predict game to game. And you get that, and then a last play schedule. You can get four wins out of that. You're looking at at a team that could easily win seven games. And I think if you're going to place a bet in this specific market, one, utilize your free credits, two, seven is the sweet spot.
0: I think you look at the schedule, as you just mentioned, we'll pop this up on our screen for our YouTube viewers, but you look at the schedule. There's obviously some tough games early on, but... The Seahawks have had great success against the 49ers. They play them in week two, early in the Trey Lance run. Who knows what he's going to look like? The Falcons week three, Lions week four. You've got some games against the Giants and the Cardinals mixed in there. The Cardinals Seattle's had some success against, especially on the road. And then late in the season, you've got the Panthers, another game of the 49ers. The Jets, who might not be as good as I anticipated they were going to be this year. They're kind of one of the wild cards in the AFC. A lot of young talent, but... Still some big question marks there. It doesn't look to me like a schedule, and I'll throw it over to Dallas here first, but it doesn't look to me like a schedule that necessarily caters it well for Seattle to stun people and get nine or ten wins because there's a lot of really good teams on there, and you play, oh, by the way, the entire AFC West, which I think all four of those teams, if things fall right, could be Super Bowl contenders – but at the same time, there's also a lot of games that are very winnable on there. So three or four wins seems like that's probably unlikely as well.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think there are is a good amount of games where you could definitely point to, as Tyler said, with Pete Carroll being such a good coach and with the recent praise about Geno Smith, I think there's a lot of games where you could chalk up to a Seahawks win. But as you just talked about, going against the Chiefs, going into the, the Rams, Those are really difficult games that it's not as easy to chalk up the Seahawks being able to get a win. So that's why, yeah, I think seven wins sounds about right for that sweet spot.
1: And you got to remember, guys, this isn't necessarily just about being right. It's also about getting value. So when you take a look at how the board sets up, Corbin mentioned right off the top, four to six is that sweet spot. You take a look, six plus 240, five plus 250, four plus 300. Like You're not getting a phenomenal return. Seven feels like a number that one is attainable and two, you're actually getting good value back for your investment. 100 bucks gets you 325. That's gonna be worth it more for you to be able to invest that money or those credits versus getting 300 or less. I like the fact that it's over that 300 mark and you have to look at that aspect too because you can be right all you want. And especially when we talk about Um, somebody being a heavy favorite, like if Alabama is minus 10,000 against New Mexico state, are you going to put 10,000 bucks down to win a hundred? No, because the return on investment is nowhere near what it should be considering what the wager is. And this is why I think that seven is that sweet spot because you're creeping up there. If you think they're really going to tank three is a nice number at, at plus 500, but I just see the Seahawks being too good with the coaching staff that they have that they're going to easily squeak out four to five.
0: Yeah, I think you make a very valid point there about the three wins though, because again, this is about value. So if you don't think the Seahawks are going to be good, and there's a lot of people out there that don't, that plus 500 for putting a $100 down with three wins would make some sense. I don't think the Seahawks are going to be that bad. I actually think eight would be a better investment there. Mm-hmm. I think they have a better chance to finish close to 500 than be a three and 14 team. I just can't see Pete Carroll's team tanking. I think there's too much talent on both sides of the ball. Even nine wins at plus 850. I guess the advice that I would give, and again, Tyler, we're going to lean on you. Dallas and I, we're going to lean on you as the expert when it comes to the gambling numbers. But it seems like, you know, if you're trying to balance value, with what is realistic, I mean, obviously all these lower tier teams, if everything just goes against them, you can win two or three games. That could happen to Seattle, but it mm-hmm. seems much more likely to me with the talent they still have on defense, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett on offense, the running game, they've got two young tackles they're really excited about that are playing well in the preseason, a line overall that might be better than anticipated. I mean, there are pieces for this to be a competitive team It just feels to me like if you're looking for the range to get the best value, that seven, eight, if you're really feeling like rolling the dice, nine wins, that would feel like to me that is the better sweet spot even than if you're looking
1: at five or six where you're just not going to get near as much value, near as much bang Mm -hmm. for your buck. So I'll also say this is kind of like a final point because I know we're wrapping up here. When you look at a Pete Carroll coach football team, like I just don't see unless they have catastrophic injuries, where they only win up three games. Like take a look at last year's Detroit Lions, how good they were considering they only won three football games. You know why? Dan Campbell knows how to coach, and every single one of those players put in 110% each game. They tried. They cared. And there is nothing more dangerous than a team that cares and works really hard when they get talent. Pete Carroll is going to have these guys working hard. He's going to have them bought in, and they're going to play – too hard and too passionate to only win three football games outside of a catastrophic situation like injuries are are concerned. So I I really don't see them faltering like that, but I don't know how high they can get either because there is a certain cap when you're talking about a revamped defense, new coordinators, and a quarterback that at his very best is mid. I think you look at the schedule real quick. I'm going to throw this to both you guys because
0: we've talked about all these win totals. And obviously this is something that fluctuates when you watch training camp. I picked the Seahawks to win seven games during the preseason prior to the preseason. And I think you look at the schedule that still is exactly where I am falling here. I think that a seven and 10 record for a second straight season, I would feel much differently about that. If I'm a Seahawks fan than last year, when you had Russell Wilson at quarterback most of the year, and he went seven and ten. If they can do that with all the rookies that I'm anticipating are going to play all the new pieces and maybe have a top five pick or top ten pick and go get a quarterback next year, I think that a lot of fans would be pretty happy with seven wins. But Dallas, uh, t- taking the betting equation out here, you mentioned six of the sweet spot, but looking at that schedule, looking at the props that are out there, what is your prediction right now for the number of wins the Seahawks have?
2: Personally, I would. I think I'm at Eight. I think eight wins. I think I think they can squeak out one extra win than most people think. I'm Because at first I was leaning towards you how, with that seven wins. I, that's how I was on. And then recently I've just been just buying into more faith on that defense, especially and especially with the young offensive line. I think by the end of the year, they can definitely steal a game that most other people think they shouldn't
0: that's really the key here a team that is really competitive your kicker is that jason myers got to be better last year but if your kicker is making kicks late you can squeak out a few games And this conference the nfc is pretty down compared to what it has been in recent years so i said seven dallas said eight tyler taking the betting out of the equation here and just looking at the seahawks and football how many games do you think they're
1: winning this year i still think it's five or six and vegas There's a reason why they're still in business. They understand how to set lines and they understand like what teams are and they have models to be able to predict this kind of stuff. And more often than not, they are correct. I think the Seahawks are, have really nice pieces. We've talked extensively about it. I loved their draft class. I have hated a lot of Seahawks draft classes, but John (laughs) Schneider figured it out for what I would have projected in my taste and how they're trying to revamp this roster. The tackles are awesome. I had concerns about the fact that they were air raid guys coming into this style of play where they're going to be doing a lot of elements on this team that can be really good. I'm a big fan of what the Seahawks could be. I don't think it's this year. And I'll say this one thing too, guys. You guys really like the Seahawks. Be careful when you're betting on a team that you really like. I don't bet on my favorite teams anymore because i think there's always there's always a little portion a fan portion you know you got like the the devil and an angel on your shoulder right well the fan portion is that little devil and he's going to tell you you try and convince you that oh it's going to be this this and this and this i lost like 200 bucks last year in florida gator games because of that little devil because i talked myself into stuff just remember to look as, uh, as objective as possible with these because that's how you win or lose money. Fans are going to know just how weird I am off of camera
0: because I don't have a devil on my shoulders when I'm looking at bets. I've got Smeagol and Gollum. Like, <laughs> I love it. You know you shouldn't bet him. You know you want to bet on him, Corbin. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I digress. Uh, that's, that's where I stand. But I don't know if this is a team that you necessarily should bet against. This is maybe a team you should just avoid because Pete Carroll's the coach and they do have a lot of talent both of the ball but the quarterback situation it really is up in the air this could be a four or five win team it could be eight nine if everything falls into place maybe a 10 win team and I think that's what makes this season a fun one for Seahawks fans is the uncertainty, the unknown. It could also be a very scary season that Seahawks fans haven't had to deal with for quite some time after the most successful era in franchise history. You can follow me on Twitter, Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Dallas at Dallas C. Cooper. You can also follow Tyler at The Real Forno. Check out Locked on Seahawks on YouTube. All podcasts are also available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Coming up on our Thursday episode, I'll be joined by Nick Lee, and the two of us are going to preview Friday's preseason finale, looking at a few matchups to watch and much more. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for listening in. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Go Hawks.